1: Welcome to The Unbillable Hour, the law practice advisory podcast helping attorneys improve their businesses. We're glad you can listen today on The Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Christopher Anderson. I'm an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers be more successful with their law firm businesses. I work directly with lawyers across the country to help them achieve success as they define it. In The Unbillable Hour, each month we explore an area important to growing revenues giving you back more of your time and or improving your professional satisfaction in one of the key areas of your business. As an attorney who has built and managed law firms in Georgia and New York City, created innovative software for LexisNexis, and helped many other attorneys grow professionally and personally, I believe that you should have a law firm that provides for you. In this program, I have a chance to speak to you, as I do in presentations across the country, about what it takes to build and operate your law firm like the business that it is. I have a chance to introduce you to a new guest each month to talk about how to make that business work for you instead of the other way around. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is The Naked Lawyer, leveraging the multi-billion dollar lawyers, professional liability, workers' comp, and business insurance industry to your benefit. And let me tell you. This is a great topic. Many of us see legal malpractice insurance as a necessary evil, a cost we must incur to meet our obligation to the bars to which we belong. My guest today sees it differently, and his name is Michael Carroll. Michael is born in Bangor, Maine. He's been a longtime resident of Toledo, Ohio, with his bride of over 20 years and his four kids. Michael spent the last 27 years protecting lawyers and law firms. He is considered a specialist in his field of insurance, and one can quickly sense his passion for the service he provides and the message he has to share with lawyers and law firms all around the country. The Carroll Insurance Group, which Mike heads, and its subsidiary, the Insuring Lawyer, was selected in 2014 as a best practices agency. That is one of the top six insurance brokers nationally out of over 37,500 And it was recognized by the Independent Insurance Agents Association. This is the equivalent of being like a top five college football program year in and year out, like being a perennial Super Bowl contender. Insuring Lawyer has offices in Maumee, Ohio, which is a suburb of Toledo, and in Phoenix, Arizona. Michael himself, he loves attending sporting events and travels all over the country. He loves to travel and meet many of his favorite people, lawyers just like you. I personally have seen Michael speak over half a dozen times, and I learn something every single time, so I'm really thrilled to bring him to the Unbillable Hour. Now that you know about Michael, let's welcome him to the show. Michael, welcome to the Unbillable Hour. Uh, Christopher, I, I love what you said about me. You really have helped my confidence today. I thank you very much. You a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Not at all. Fortunately, it's uh, radio, so nobody can see you blushing. But <laughs> so, By introduction, it wasn't very long. And what I want to get a little bit more from you is, what is it that you actually do for your clients? You're not just a seller of malpractice insurance. You do more. What is it that you do for your clients? Excellent question. The the
2: vast majority of my peer group tends to fall into the terminology of what is known as an order taker. And specifically for lawyers, it's a very underserved marketplace. The big law firms have the big monster insurance brokers that do a fine enough job, we'll give them that. But for the 10 lawyer or less, the closer you get to one, the insurance industry, uh, the insurance companies, the insurers themselves, the insurance agencies or brokers, it is massively underserved and, uh, you know, it's kind of like, hey, be lucky that we even offer you protection or coverage. Specifically, we'll talk about, let's start with the lawyer's professional liability. Uh, insurance companies. There's Christopher. You've heard me share this when I speak in uh, in front of uh, hundreds of lawyers at a time. The insurance companies are in business to make a profit. That's always it. I uh, ask that question, and a lot most people get that. Lawyers are a very smart and you know on the ball bunch. But when you ask a general room outside of lawyers, you know why are insurance companies in business? They answer to protect you at a time of loss, or to help you out if you have a claim. Or some people are sarcastic and say to screw you over, or you know, and you laugh and what have you. But specifically, insurance companies are in business to make a profit. And by doing that, they want to offer you the minimum amount of protection for the maximum premium allowable by law. They can't gouge you. So, when you're talking about an indifferent marketplace where you can count, you know, maybe in all the digits on our body, there may be 20 to 30 insurers that actually write lawyer's professional liability. And then when it gets to the agency and the broker level, the distribution, if you will, that it's very apathetic. Um, it's kind of a one-size-fits-all. There's a lot of caveats, and that hence the word "naked." Who wants to be caught naked? Uh, and you know, get caught with your pants down, as the saying goes. So there are plenty of things, and we can get into specifics as as I will, you know, if you'd like me to. But there are all kinds of of additions you can put onto your lawyer's professional liability, just focusing on that portion of protecting your empire, if you will, if you're a lawyer, your entire law firm, but to uh, to have endorsements put on your policy that some of them are free. You just need to ask for them and or others are in the hundreds of dollars a year for millions of dollars of protection. So what I do to answer you know, in, in a very long-winded way and just to focus on the lawyer's professional liability We'll talk about office business insurance, workers' comp, data breach, harassment. We'll get into some of the other specifics. But all of that adds up to taking a look at each individual law firm and saying, what are your exposures? If you don't have an employee, you obviously don't need workers' comp. If you don't have an employee, you don't need uh, employers' employment practices liability, which is harassment, unfair termination, and discrimination. But most lawyers do have at least one employee, a paralegal, And these, again, it's massively underserved. They just, My peer group will just slap on some one-size-fits-all policy, and then it's all good until it isn't, and then it's after the fact. And now there's, you know, who do you sue? Do you sue the, the insurance agent or broker for errors and omissions? Is it your fault because you signed something? And it's my job to protect law firms properly and look at it. And that's not just a platitude. This is what I specialize in. I'm not a one-size-fits-all. I'm not outwriting manufacturing firms or transmission shops or carpenters or anything like that. Lawyers is all that I do, and we do it on a national basis. So hopefully, Christopher, that answers your question.
1: Indeed. And I think my grandfather taught me when I was young and uh, just getting my first car insurance policy. He said, you, you can only judge an insurance company's quality the day you make a claim. And, and I, that always stuck with me and uh, taught right. me not to always just shop for the cheapest premium. But so it sounds like what you do is you help law firms. And the reason I wanted you to come join us on the show is I wanted to help this audience become better educated consumers of these products, to, to know where their exposures are, to know where the pitfalls are. And, uh, and I think you just spoke a little bit to that. Let's jump Two one. Uh, In your book, uh, The Naked Lawyer, you discuss one of the things you discuss is the grisly gremlins of insurance exclusions. So, what are these? What are some of the exclusions that we probably, as lawyers, because you know we're lawyers, we don't read contracts, or even if we do, we might gloss over in a malpractice insurance that we really should be watching out for.
2: Absolutely, excellent question. So, uh,
1: the grisly
2: gremlins, what they are? Let's start with lawyers' professional liability. Uh, you will see that the vast majority of policies are written where the defense limits are included inside. The acronym is C, uh, claims E, expense, I, inside L, limits. So C E I L. And the vast majority of insurance policies that I see when someone inquires and and contacts me is that it is written on a C E I L basis. Well, you can get it written on what is known as, as a CEOL basis. And what's the opposite of inside? Outside. And what, where that's important is, therefore, if you are involved in any type of litigation, whether it's a vicarious garbage lawsuit or it's a real lawsuit where someone in your firm made a mistake, yourself included, and you're being sued for your professional liability, the defense limits will not be eroded against your limit of liability, whatever that is. We always like to tell... Uh, or advise, if you will, law firms to get the million dollars. But when you're talking sometimes a startup, uh, someone who was successful in a big law firm, uh, they're starting up, they just want to keep the budget, and the price between $100,000 and a million is not as much as you think. There are certain areas of practice where it is massive, but in most areas of practice, you may be talking 1000 to maybe 2000 a year. But if you're a startup and you're thinking, hey, I've got rent, and you know, my spouse is kind of you know stressing out about this, and so am I. maybe that one to two thousand year is important to you in the first year, which is understandable. Revenues are not that projected to be you know in the millions yet, and if they are, that would obviously be an easy uh, to take the million. But that being said, what so if you if you started with, let's say the lowest possible uh, protection at hundred thousand uh, dollars, if you incurred defense costs of fifty thousand. If you have CEIL, Christopher, you'd be down, that's simple math, you'd be down to $50,000 left if you were judged against mm-hmm. in that suit. And you know, suddenly, your, your protection that you pay your good, hard-earned money uh, to have has now been cut in half, but your premium didn't get cut in half. To have that endorsement, the CEOL may run you $100 a year, so therefore, you could have unlimited defense costs, and that's very important. So there's one. Another one you
1: see. So let me just let me just uh, get that for, one straight. So if someone switches yeah. from CEIL to CEOL, their defense limits go from whatever their policy limits are a- and crowding out what can actually be paid out to completely uncapped. Correct. For maybe a hundred uh, or two hundred bucks a year.
2: Exactly correct. I mean, I've seen some insurers are going toward Christopher that they'll match the uh, the liability limit. So if you had 100000 in effect, you're getting double the protection. But most insurers will give you unlimited defense costs for however much it costs. So you're absolutely correct. You were right.
1: Wow. So, I mean, I've been personally buying malpractice insurance now for 13 years. And until I heard that from you, I'd never heard it before. Yeah, it's outstanding. And so there's one.
2: Again, my peer group, Fat, Lazy, and Happy, and fire them. You deserve better. At the end of the day, uh, as a lawyer, if you aren't doing your job, you deserve to get fired. Whatever it is we do in life, we see it in athletics. We see it in, in motion pictures. We see it in, in the finance world, the banking world, politics. People are always crying for people to get them out of office. Theirs is a little different. You can't fire them right on the spot. But in the accurate thinking, the Napoleon Hill term, accurate thinking – when it calls for someone to be fired, you have to be swift. That's accurate thinking. We're not in business to make friends or to not hurt people's feelings. You don't have to be dishonest or unethical, but you have to do what's best for you. And the danger, though, on the lawyer's professional liability, unlike car insurance, which is a great example, Christopher, and thanks for bringing that up. And it's your, you were advised properly. But the difference between even your office business insurance and your workers' comp at some level. But with a lawyer's professional liability, you are stuck Uh, until renewal, unless it is glaringly horrible, because what you lose then is your retro date or some accommodations that can be made where it's glaringly awful that you can switch mid-period or before your renewal date. But if you do that, more often than not, well into the 90th percentile, you would have to pay what is known as tail coverage uh, as if you were retiring or uh, dissolving your firm, or you would just lose all of that protection going back to you know, your inception date of, let's say, for example, September 1st of 2000 or 1989 or 2008 or whatever, and you don't want to do that. So the claims expense outside, big, big time deal to have. The other one that falls right in line with the lawyer's professional liability is the first dollar defense. And what that is, is this, that you as a law firm, most law firms choose at least a $2,500 deductible, so, you know, 5000 is becoming more common and I now even see them on some of the you know, the 10 and 20 law- lawyer firms, but my wheelhouse is the one to 10 lawyer, but we do have a handful that are larger than that. They're going with 10, 15, 25,000 because they can afford that in, in the event of a loss. Their revenues, you know, it is within reason, and it offsets the premium. The higher the, dedu- the deductible, the lower the premium, obviously. So, But to have what is known as first dollar defense, the acronym FDD, First out of defense, what that is is simply if you are named in a suit where you have a disgruntled client or they owe you a ton of money and uh, your your billings have somehow this one got by you. Let's assume you have a tight billing structure and you threaten to litigate against them and they flip the script on you and say, the reason I'm not paying you is because you were terrible. I'm suing you for incompetence and negligence. I'm not paying you. And a, and a peer jumps on their cause and they sue you well that kind of a suit if you don't have first dollar defense you're going to end up paying the first twenty five hundred dollars or five thousand or even ten thousand to defend that claim whether you have ceil or ceol by having first dollar defense and again some companies include it very rare but more uh, commonly again it's in the hundreds of dollars a year to get that endorsement. And, I do it on my professional liability. We call, in the insurance industry, it's called errors and omissions, that therefore if some disgruntled client in a 28-year career, knock on wood, we've never had uh, an errors and omissions suit, but we have had three in a 28-year career where someone, you know, the blameless society, they wanted to make it our fault. Our files were tight. It was thrown out. But to have to deal with that, it was a situation where we didn't pay a deductible because we have what is known as also the first dollar defense. So a lot of people like that. Because if you're like I am and you have great workflows and systems, because I've been taught properly, not because I'm such a smart guy—far from it—but I'm an old athlete that likes to be coached. So I have a coach, and uh, uh, Christopher, as you're a well-known coach within the the legal community, I love that stuff. And that was one of those deals where, you know, is was, was the workflows and systems allowed us to, you know, to be successful in our defense, but we did not have to pay and we carry a $10,000 deductible, I would have been out 10 grand because it went on and on and on and whatever. So
1: that's a big one right there. So So just um, again, so I'm clear, if you get the first dollar defense, you've got a $5,000 deductible or $10,000 deductible, but you don't, the claim is unsuccessful, you go out of pocket zero, even though the insurance company picked up the cost of defense. Correct,
2: absolutely correct. You will not have, the only time you share in the deductible is if you're negligent, if someone, you know, someone in my office said, "Yes, Joe or Jane, uh, law firm, you're you're protected or covered for event A and B, and event A and B both happen, and they're not protected because they just flippantly went off script, you know, which would be a workflow disaster internally." They that's why we don't have that. But say someone was just completely out to lunch that day. Human beings do occasionally go off script we would obviously have to pay the deductible because we were negligent and a loss occurred and, you know, that would be it. But you yeah. hit the nail on the head, Christopher, that you would not have to pay your deductible if there was no claim. You're, and the defense would be, again, if you had the CEO, well, unlimited. But that's that's a big deal. And uh, that's that. So, and again, most insurance companies, if you don't write a lot of volume, let me add this into it, not to a toot my own horn deal, but if, if you are known to the insurance uh, companies as an expert, which I am, they realize that we are offering this to top to flight firms. We can tell someone who's kind of a, well, I only need it because you know, the, I need it for, to get this account or something, Whereas someone is gonna be flying by the seat of their pants. But a, a law firm that has tight workflows and systems is gonna be a law firm that's not gonna get in to any type of situations like that. So it's a profitable endeavor for the insurance company to offer them those things because it makes them feel better about their whole insurance, you know, portfolio versus, hey, take it or leave it, jerk. And by the way, at Renewal, send us, the insurance company and broker agency, roses and candy. And that's not, who wants to be the client in that relationship? That's like an old school bully move, you know, where you get a, you know, pay the bully, you know, uh, give them half your lunch to not get beat up. I mean, no one likes that relationship. But the insurance industry, if you're working with someone who doesn't have that kind of pull to say to the insurer, the insurance company, that, hey, this is a risk worthy of offering first-dollar defense and C-E-O-L, claims expense outside limits, you won't be successful because you're considered to be a novice to them versus an expert that they work with you on a daily basis because you specialize in it. That's why again, and no one wants to fool around with a thousand dollar premiums in my world the The yeah. insurance agencies or brokers find that to be just not worth their time and what have you, and it is well worth your time when you do it in mass and uh they're you know what are Christopher what are there something like uh, 400 or 40, 45,000 law firms, is that correct? Is that 48,000 nationally? No. Does that sound No, more? no, no.
1: It's, uh, there's one point, depending on the source that you use, there's between 1. 1.2 1. 1.6 million lawyers. There, um, there are 480 ish to, again, whose source you use, lawyers practicing in the one to five lawyer space in okay. about 400,000 firms. So it's, the space is, is, is pretty big and massive. And the opportunities here are great for the insurance companies to make a buck. But so let me just summarize before we go into our first break, uh, Michael. I mean, just in this 15 minutes that we've been talking, you've talked about two products, the C-E-O-L, or the the Claims Expense Outside Limits, and the uh, First Dollar Defense that I had never heard of. And a lot of folks on this audience have probably never heard of it. It's just huge, huge value for them. And the other thing that i point out to you is that the people who are listening to this, I think more or less by definition, are the better risks. These are folks who are looking to improve their businesses, always looking to learn more. So this information could be valuable to them. They should be asking their current provider of insurance products, that the person who sells them uh, professional liability insurance, a, if they have this, B, if not, why not, and C, why haven't you told me this before? And if they can't provide it, they need to be shopping around. Is that sort of the the upshot of it? Well, sure.
2: I mean, amen, amen, and amen. And I'll even add in, if the answer is, if they don't have it, the answer, I'll, I'll add in, a shameless plug, call me. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, you know, do you want to do business with the national with someone who's considered to be i mean that's what we've earned i sure as heck didn't earn it on my looks i can tell you that so (laughs) we'll we'll definitely give
1: uh we'll give your contact information at the end of the show but right now we're going to roll into a break and then we'll come back with michael carroll and be speaking a little bit more about other things you should know about your professional liability insurance but right now a word from our sponsor
0: you can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just send us an email at advertising at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too.
1: And we're back with Michael Carroll. Uh, the topic is the naked lawyer um, and Michael Carroll uh, has been talking to us about some of the things you ought to have known and should know about your professional liability insurance and uh, the uh, CEO the claims expense outside of limits and the first dollar defense are just huge huge tips for us but so Michael I wanted to turn the conversation now to other kinds of things that people should be uh, owners of small businesses owner of law owners of law firms should be looking at to protect themselves um, more on the casualty side some of the Things that that people may or may not be thinking of that they that insurance is available and that they should be thinking of to protect themselves against. Uh, one of the things that you talked about was premises and also uh, data breach kind of concepts. What do you have to tell the folks about that? The majority of law firms, small law firms,
2: single shareholder law firms that you know I meet via my marketing efforts or at conferences and such, uh, they don't have any office business insurance and. The reason that is, it logically adds up. I get it. I'm not saying that critically, and it's a low dollar deal. And, and and I'll even add in that people, you know, think, oh, he just wants to sell me some more insurance. Ladies and gentlemen listening, I get 15% commission. So when you talk about the average office business insurance premium is around $700. Quick math, around $100 in commission after expenses. That is not life-changing money for for most people, myself included. So this isn't about making more money. And yes, revenues add up, but this, again, is protecting you properly. So back to most small law firms say, I'm in a high-rise, I'm in a big building in a downtown uh, type area. What are the chances of a tornado or a fire happening? It's sprinklered and all the above. The, The chances are very low. And they say, look, I have a laptop. I take it home with me. Uh, there's furniture furnished for me, or the furniture I have is cheap, I wouldn't really worry about it. Yet again, the exposure is low and right down the line. And that is understandable. I get it. So here are most small law firms without any office business insurance. But even those that do, and I'll get into that shortly, but let's start with those that don't. The, The minimum premium for an office business insurance policy is $500 a year. That's just what the insurance industry has said in the commercial insurance arena or space that we have to get that to make it worth our while to just print the paper, to get it out, what have you. And so you have some law firms that have that. They've got a minimum twenty thousand dollars of business personal property, furniture, uh, computers, phone system, supplies, you know, they may have a couple of employees and they figure 20 grand, 30 grand might cost you an extra fifty to seventy-five bucks a year. And it's very inexpensive, and, and it's written on the acronym as BOP BOP, business owners policy and it's a big money maker for the insurance industry. They love writing it. It's main street business, whether it's an insurance brokerage, an accounting office, a law firm, a law office, a law business. I mean, it's great, great money for them. But where, again, for those that don't have it, that's certainly worth it. But the most important endorsement now you should have, and this is where it gets fun, at least for me, is what is called data breach uh, liability. And that's an endorsement that runs between one to $300 a year. And to, what is data breach liability? Well, very simply put, if you paid attention to anything that's happened in the news Seriously, in the last yeah, year. if you've been shopping or online or anything, this has been news everywhere. Amen. And you saw it happen to Sony. You know, if you can hack into Sony or Target or the IRS was hacked, I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen, watching my office and your, or listening, I should say, my office and your offices, they could do you know, with their pinky finger while they were, you know, eating Cheerios, they it would be the easiest thing in the world to do. And a lot of people say, "Well, I've got firewalls, I've got all these things set up." Well, not only does it include hacking into your system, but how about almost everyone going to an airport? I travel regularly, Christopher. I know you do. And lawyers were even going around town, but yet alone an airport, everyone has a smartphone. Most people have a tablet, and most people and or a laptop. And if you just lost those, okay, or when you sit in an airport, do you understand that that's a hacker's paradise? They can be, because you're sharing a public Wi-Fi, I mean, they can get into that in a heartbeat. But the way the law reads in 49 of the 50 states that if you have a data breach violation or, or occurrence, you are by law required to notify all current And past clients, the past, they're not going to sweat you a ton on, but it says in the statute, you should notify past, but certain current clients, that there's been a data breach and they could be affected. Now, if you have to write that letter yourself, most people aren't even aware of that. Law firms, insurance brokers, accountants, any type of office, they aren't even aware that law exists. If one of your clients' personal information has been compromised because someone lost you and or one of your employees, you know, lost their smartphone... Where they just had their Outlook or their email uh, program on there, where they got right in there and there was a social security number, or you get hacked where they get into your server and they find all your stored files, or your cloud system gets hacked. If there's personal information there that's been compromised, you by law have to notify again all current clients. And when you and I would write that letter, we'd be mortified. We would write it emotionally. The runoff on that, these studies have proven the runoff on that, you will lose. Over thirty percent of your book of business will run from you, saying, "What a moron! What a what kind of a run business is that? Holy crap! Nice going! What a bunch of you know? Well, nice, especially, get away! Especially I'm out of
1: here." Law businesses well, where one of our obligations under the Model Rules of Professional Conduct is preserving the confidences of our client. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we're supposed to do. Correct.
2: You got it. Well, the insurance company not only writes that letter, but heaven forbid you get the the client or the customer or the or the, you know, from hell and they get on TV or they get the local newspaper, you know, and the local news is slow and they say, you know, my information and we can buy our new house and they will do damage control in the media. Or if, it, if, it, if a lot of people were affected, they will take care of all of that. They'll write the letter and they provide 12 months free credit monitoring. So not only is all that included, if you did get named in a suit, defense costs are included, Along with any damages, and you can purchase it in increments of $100,000, $250, $500,000, and a million. Those are the four limits that are offered. And obviously, the more you purchase, the more it costs. But when you're talking a quarter million dollars for that protection, depending on the size of your firm, you may need more, you may need less. But if it's $100,000, you're talking like $100, $150 a year. Quarter million, $250, $300, half a million, $300 to $500, and a million. Seven fifty, maybe up to a thousand. But again, if you had that type of exposure, that offsets the revenues. It's all relative to who you are. But that's that in and of itself, that is not a standalone policy per se. I'll get into the to its kissing cousin here called cyber liability. And you can get that included as a standalone. But for the cyber liability, let me digress into that quickly. That's if you have a big internet exposure. If you're doing commerce on the internet, which most law firms do not But if you're a big video uh, person on the Internet, it's important to have that because if somehow you were in front of Jimmy John's or Domino's Pizza or in front of, you know, uh, a football stadium, you know, and and you didn't have the express written consent of them, they could or say you had a picture of Tom Brady in the background in your office because you're a huge Patriots fan or Derek Jeter because you're a Yankees fan or whatever. And their people, Jerry Jeter's people, Tom Brady's people, the Patriots, if, we, if you were in front of Gillette Stadium, if that's what it's still called, uh, uh, Ford Field, Ford could come back and say up in Detroit that, you know, you're giving the impression that we, the Ford Motor Company, is endorsing your services. That's where cyber liability comes into play. And included in the cyber liability is data breach. That It's one in the same. But if, so, you know, these, again, are, are items that it is my job, my peer group's job to at least advise you that this, these are the exposures that are out there, and they're not terribly expensive. But anyway, that's a, that's a big deal where a lot of law firms, when when they hear that story, they're like, whoa, okay, we should definitely get you know the basic office business insurance at five hundred dollars. Our exposure might be a quarter million, you know, endorse that on for a couple hundred bucks a year, $700 very well spent. So hopefully, is
1: that was I clear in that? I, I hope. Yeah, I- no, I think that's great. And, you know, part of, again, the purpose of uh, today's show is to really get some education out there as to what we're not, the questions we're not asking, the things that we're not aware of, the things that we should be. And I know that because, Michael, I, I don't know if you know, but part of one of the talks I give around the country is on cybersecurity for law firms. And it always packs the house. I mean, every time I give that talk, uh, the the room is standing room only because lawyers are really concerned about that and about what they need to be doing to protect their clients. But again, in my, I've got to be honest. In my talks, I never have talked about how they can insure themselves against those risks. And in all my years of operating law firms, I've never heard anybody else talk about it. Certainly not uh, the people who uh, are my trusted advisors um, to be providing that kind of information as you know, my insurance, uh, my, my professional liability insurance or other liability insurance um, agents that, that I work with. So, I mean, this has got to be revelation uh, to, to a lot of the folks online. So, we've, we've covered data breach, which uh, the other thing I'll tell you is in part of my talks that data breach is something not only that people are worried about but that they should be because the hackers are going after – they've gotten the low-hanging fruit. They're right. going after the medium-sized and the smaller law firms now because they're the soft underbelly of the profession. And uh, they're just they're just more vulnerable. So this would be a huge thing for them to be able to protect themselves and their clients. I mean, it seems like this protection really extends to giving their clients protections that they need should uh, a data breach occur.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And the cyber liability, again – the exposure is there it's worthy worth to have and video for those that are aggressive in growing their practice video is king and uh there's no greater way to drive traffic online and and people are looking online they like reviews they you know today i mean everyone thinks you know google is like a verb google is a company you know but what do they say google it you know what i mean it'd be like anderson it or carol it Wouldn't that be great if people said that? You know, we would become a brand in and of our name. But it's one of those deals where Google has become—they say Google it versus search for it. But you know, that's the whole idea that people will go online looking for services if they're not referred, and if you're doing videos, that'll drive you toward the top of the search engines, and that's where cyber liability and that policy, including it includes a data breach, it is a standalone. You can, law firms can get those written with a million dollar limit uh, for roughly thousand a year. And for if you're that kind of an aggressive marketer and uh, what have you, that's, that's peanuts. It's really uh, it's out there and very few companies write it. Most of my peer group doesn't know anything about it, but I carry it because I'm a big video guy. I'm all over the internet. But my point is, and I've had it where I, I, those examples I gave you, I was in front of a pizza franchise, and they sent me a cease and desist, yeah. and it was no harm, no foul. It was kind of right. laughable. I called the the counsel, and I said, "Really?" And he was like, "I know, I know, but that's what I'm paid to do." And I said, "Come on, man, really?" I was like, "Fine, I'll reshoot the friggin' video," and I did. But you know, they could have been nasty about it and gone right to suit. You know, and my yeah. intent was not to share that this pizza franchise that you know right away. And, and it's I'm not going to badmouth. Them, I'm no sure who it was. But that's how it works out there. There was an yeah, example where someone. Everybody's protecting you, their own. Yeah, Brett Favre's people, his camp. That's public knowledge. Someone in the Green Bay area, Milwaukee, wherever, had him in a in a background, you know, a car dealership, as I recall. And uh, you know, I read about it in insurance industry magazine, and they went right to suit, and they ended up getting you know a judgment of a solid judgment. I mean, it was it was a lot of money, and. uh the car dealership was, you know, they were, I don't know if it put them out of business per se, but it, it hit their bottom line big time right. And because Brett Favre at that time was considered to be, you know, the man and uh, oh well. But yeah, yeah. That, that's why it's important to have those things. At least know, at least know what your exposure is.
1: Yeah. So I, talk about knowing what your exposure is. We've only got a couple of minutes left and I want to just breach one more topic and uh, then we'll wrap things up. But um, it's... The middle of, or actually the beginning of September, we're heading into the teeth of hurricane season. We'd already had Tropical Storm Erica, which at one point was looking like it was going to be a category two or three storm aimed at South Florida. And immediately, as uh, a business advisor to several law firms, I'm getting calls from my clients in South Florida saying, you know, from a business perspective, what should we be doing uh, to prepare for the storm? What do we do about the records? What do we do about business continuity? Is there anything, are there any products that they should be aware of that are available where they can get insurance against that kind of thing so that they can set up an alternative office so they can get back into operation, not lose a week or a month or a couple of months due to a bad storm or other event?
2: Absolutely. Excellent question. And the answer is, yeah, absolutely there is. We write for companies that specialize in running in South Florida. Um, that is not by accident. They are few and far between. After uh, Hurricane Andrew uh, came through roughly 20 years ago, the insurance industry ran out of Florida. They just they they all you know folded tents and left. I'm talking all the big boys. From we'll just start with basic Joe and Jane lunch pill, car and home insurance. We're talking State Farm, all state, Nationwide. They all pulled out, and they've been very slow to come back in. Orlando, yeah, you know, they'll play a little ball in those areas because the exposure is low. But Southeast Florida, the West Coast, uh, you know, Miami, uh, the Keys, obviously, Tampa and that, anything that's on the water, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen again. It's a matter of when and how badly. So to answer the question specifically, you need to have the wind endorsement, which if you've got a strong Florida insurer, for example, Louisiana would be the same. They have the exposure along the Gulf Coast down there in Mississippi, Alabama. The same idea, but in insurer that includes the wind endorsement, and then you've got, uh, which which is the big thing in the hurricane, then you would need to uh, have a separate policy for flood insurance, and that's a big one there because of the, the storm surge and such. So that's what you can do. Now, the good news is that if you have those endorsements right on then on your business uh, owner's policy, which we open up this, a segment, if you will, you've got what is known as business income. So, if you are shut down due to a total or partial loss, you will be able to relocate while your place is being built. The cost to relocate to pay rent somewhere else because you have a legal contract with your landlord that you know you've got a year lease. And if the storm happens two months into it, your landlord's not going to say, Oh, okay, we're done. He, he or she they have a right to collect the remaining 10 months on that lease. So So you'll have to relocate somewhere, and if you don't have a regular office business insurance policy, which included is the business income and extra expense. Business income not only gets you – the extra expenses get you relocated, but if you had to lay off employees, a couple of your hourly folks because you're shut down for a week because it's catastrophic in nature, you don't have to have – people who are on an hourly basis tend to live paycheck to paycheck. You can – just, you know, get them paid while you're shut for a week or while business is slow. Or if there was an obvious downtick in your business, they'll pay for that too. So it's incredibly valuable protection to have. Therefore, you don't end up, you know, in a situation where Mother Nature, who wants to chance Mother Nature to, to the success of your business? Although those are things you can't control. And the definition of insurance, transference of risk. You pay the insurance company. You, first of all, you, you get into bed with someone like I am who knows what the heck they're doing to protect you properly. Therefore, when these events that you cannot predict or control, I mean, sure, the weather, you can, you know, and this and that, predicted at some point, technology has helped with that, but you can't stop it is what I'm saying. But in that case there, what can you do? if, If Hurricane Erica turned out to just be kind of a nasty storm, but say to become Andrew too, I mean, or Katrina, like New Orleans experience. You're screwed. You're done. And that will put you out of business. And you'll become, as I like to say, one of the sad tales of my book, The Naked Lawyer. And you don't want to be, I've changed the names and the places to protect the innocent, but you don't want to be one of those uh, stories where it's like, ooh, yikes, that could have been me. And yeah, exactly. it, it sure could have. So, you know, that's how you get away from that by getting protected properly.
1: Yeah. Well, Michael, thanks so much. You know, I feel like we've just scratched the surface and we're out of time. So I hope uh, I'll be able to convince you to come back on the show sometime in the next year or so. You
2: better believe it was my pleasure. And Christopher is always wonderful speaking with you. It's a wonderful show and lawyers listening. I'm sure they get tons of value out of it. I always enjoy listening to it too. It was my pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Michael. And that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Advisory Podcast. Our guest today has been Michael Carroll. You can learn more about him at email uh, michael at insuringlawyer.com or his website at www.insuringlawyer.com or www.insuringlawyerbook.com or even www.thenakedlawyer.com. His Twitter address is lawyer. And you can also find them on LinkedIn uh, under Michael-Carroll. This is Christopher Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you next month with our guest Mark Cerniglia of the newly renamed Spotlight Branding. We'll learn how you can do a much, much better job of marketing by having hypotheses about what your return on investment should be and how to track it so that you end up spending your marketing dollars smartly. Mark Cernigula will be with us next month. And until then, remember that you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at thelegaltalknetwork.com. That's legaltalknetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again soon.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. It's officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.